Hi, and welcome to the Silver Screen Queens podcast. Every week, we watch a movie and sit down here to talk about it. I'm Mel. I'm Katie. And we're your hosts. This week, we watched Toy Story 4, directed by Josh Cooley and released in 2019. The plot of Toy Story 4 goes something like this. When a new toy called Forky joins Woody in the gang, a road trip alongside old and new friends reveals how big the world can be for a toy. And as we usually do, we will do a spoiler-free section up front to tell you whether we think you should see this movie. Um, I don't know. I mean, I, I, I enjoyed it quite a bit. There are lots of funny things. I think it looked beautiful. Um, I think there was lots of things that are really enjoyable. But, like, the story's pretty thin. Mm. And the plot is definitely uh, – has some problems with it. Um, and I didn't love it. I don't know. I mean, I, I enjoyed watching it a lot. I don't know whether everybody else will, but there were lots of jokes that were really up my alley, and I found it much funnier and more fun to watch than Toy Story 3, which is not my favorite. I know a lot of people really love it, but it didn't resonate with me emotionally, and I felt very manipulated by Toy Story 3, which I don't really like, but I think the Toy Story 3 kind of capped off the arc really nicely, and Toy Story 4 feels a bit unnecessary. Mm, yes, unnecessary is the word that comes to mind on this one. And I remember when the third one came out thinking the same thing, why do they need to make another one? But I was one of the people who, with whom that movie really connected and I really enjoyed it. And even now when I rewatch it, I find it, you know, appropriately sad and, and it raises lots of interesting questions. And also I think it, unlike this one, actually adds something new to the franchise. I don't mm. think this movie in the story that it tells adds anything new to the world of these characters, to what we know about the world of Toy Story, to the discourse on toys and consumerism and all the other issues that it might raise. just don't think it really adds all that much. A few weeks ago when we, when we went to see Pokemon, the trailer for this played and there was a small child sitting next to my husband and he said, why are they making a Toy Story 4? And honestly, <laughs> that's still a pretty good question. Yeah, look, it is. there are some fun bits. Uh, Keanu Reeves, as probably everybody knows, has a small role in it. The new character, Forky, is played by Tony Hale, who's a very good comedian and does a really good job of that. And obviously, like, even a, a below-par Pixar movie is still going to be better than, like, 90% of the kid-directed animation out there. So there are, there are some fun things. I did think it looked good mostly, but there's a sequence at the fairground early on that actually made me motion sick, which has not happened in a movie in a long time for me. So that was a bit of a bit not so great. But, yeah, I mean, there's some good stuff there, but ultimately, I, I yeah, I didn't really get a lot out of it. Yeah. Um, I think it looks, like, phenomenal. I think it looks amazing. But we can get into that later. So yeah, It's very um, well lit, I will say. Yeah, I really like the lighting, but uh, we'll, we'll talk yeah. about that later. But um, So yes, we might get into the spoiler section so that we can get into everything. Mm, yes, so if um, you haven't seen Toy Story 4 and you don't want to be spoiled for it, pause the podcast now and come back when you have. Yeah. I mean, yes, the lighting is really good, but there's a level of detail in a lot of things that's just – like astonishing and you know i spent a lot of time just like looking at stuff there's these mountains in the background as as woody and forky are walking towards the fairground that are, are just amazing looking like it, it's so beautiful but also like they feel like part of the world around them much more than a lot of pixar movies with beautiful backgrounds mm. i'm looking at you good dinosaur what the hell was that so like it's got kind of semi-realistic backgrounds but it looks really really gorgeous mm. my biggest problem with the design stuff was like all the little kid faces look 
exactly the same with yes. minor variations in the noses and eyes and stuff. And I'm like, why? Kids' faces don't all look the same. They've, they're so, like, committed to this bizarre, you know, giant eyes, tiny noses, you know, Elsa thing that it, it looks bizarre. Like the little girl crying at the at the fair. Looks exactly was, like Bonnie. Looks exactly like Bonnie, but with a like slightly different nose and slightly differently shaped eyes. Just different haircut. And different hair, yeah. The, the hair and clothes aside. Like that is literally the way you can tell them apart. I w- yeah, I was having trouble with that as well. Like you can't really tell them apart. And then, I mean, there's only one kid we're supposed to care about, except that they bring in another kid at the end that we are also supposed to care about. And she looks almost identical. Yeah, it's even the little girl in the antique shop. Yeah, yeah. It has a really similar face. Yeah, you can tell her apart because she has red hair and she's a bit older. She's older with red hair and she's also paler, but like, and, you know, different color eyes and stuff. But in terms of the actual makeup of her face, Mm -mm. it's so similar and it's just really distracting and it's so dumb. Because we've talked about this in animation before, especially Disney animation. All the women look the same. Mm -hmm. Now all the kids look the same. Yeah, well, that's, and that's the thing. The adults don't all look the same in this movie. They kind of have this Sims-like quality to them. Yeah. But um, but the kids, I don't know why they decided to make all the kids look like that. It's very weird and creepy. But yeah, the, apart from that, I thought it looked incredible. Like there's there's these details in the antique shop. Yeah, I was just going to talk about that. That is beautiful. That it's so gorgeous. Like the cobwebs and the <laughs> dust on all the and, – and, and what is like behind the displays and things like that. Oh, it's so cleverly done. I know. There's this bit where they come up against like a power board mm. and it's got all these plugs in it. And I was like, how does that look so beautiful? <laughs> like it's the ugliest thing you can think of and it looks gorgeous. And yeah, it's, a to- and yeah, it's all like totally functional, boring details about buildings and rooms mm. and they're like beautifully rendered, yeah. But yeah, to me the best thing about this movie, apart from the fact that it looks incredible, is like all the side characters are really, really fun and entertaining and to me are given much more interesting things to do than the characters that we've been with for the other movies. Yeah, well, the Forky for one, but also um, Key and Peele play yeah. teddy bears. I don't actually know what the characters' names are. Um, Ducky and Bunny, I believe. Uh, yeah, oh yeah, because they're a duck and a bunny. And they are so much fun. They got more laughs out of me than anything else in the movie. They they were really, really entertaining. Yeah. They have a few sequences that are just hilarious. And then Keanu Reeves as well as Duke mm. Boom. Even like Carl Weathers comes in for like a little moment that made me laugh so hard because he plays three different combat Carls mm-hmm. and like two of them talk and high five and there's one at the back that just wants a high five and nobody gives him a high yeah. five. And it's so funny. I'm laughing now thinking about it. It yeah. makes me laugh thinking about and, it. And like Bo Peep's offside is Billy Goat and Gruff. Yeah. They're, <laughs> They're always funny. Fun. And there's Peep. also like a joke that really only plays in the credits, but like there's a bit where um, Woody gets stuck in the cupboard with some of the old toys who haven't been played with in a while, and they're mm. all played by older comedians with really great pun names. Yeah. Like Mel Brooks plays a character called Melephant Brooks, yeah. an elephant, you will not be surprised. And Carol Burnett plays a chair, Cheryl Burnett. And Betty White is Bitey White, which is hilarious. Yeah. Um. So that, that, that there's like, oh, and Carl Reiner plays Carl Rhinoceros. That's so cute. Rhinoceros. Anyway, all that stuff, like that little Pixar attention to detail is good fun, but it kind of, the fact that we have so much time to notice it is kind of an indictment on the main story, which is not that good. Yeah, I think that the problem is the main story is very much like a story that like 
old white dudes feel connected to <laughs> about empty nesters and not feeling useful anymore. Mm. That, what, that it's, it's the same story as Cars 3. Yeah, yeah. And you're like, why do you think kids are going to connect with this storyline? Yeah, and we were in a session that had some kids in it and they were bored. There was a lot of wriggling and walking around and talking. And, uh, yeah, it doesn't feel like a movie made for kids. No. And that's, I mean, to be honest, though, and um, I feel this pretty strongly. I don't know that everybody else does. I think these are movies that are being um, that are being reviewed by adults. Mm-hmm. And adults love Toy Story 3. Yes. I don't think Which was kids made love... for adults, though. Yeah. Toy Story 3, I didn't talk about it in the start. It appealed to me because I was an adult when it came out and it appealed to that, like it, it talks about, you know, moving, it's about moving out of home and putting away your toys and giving away your toys and moving away from childhood. Like that appeals to adults. It's not, it isn't for kids and that that is a big downfall of that movie. Yeah, I think that that stuff is, um, and personally I feel like, I think the the peak of the Toy Story franchise is Toy Story 2 and the When She Loved Me scene where the, where Sarah McLaughlin is singing over Jesse being abandoned and I feel like they've really they really doubled down on that in Toy Story 3 and in this one where they like they were like oh we did something really good there and people really connected with it so in Toy Story 3 they went hard for that and that's why I felt so manipulated in Toy Story 3 because they were trying to replicate a sort of genuine emotional connection with the second one that for me didn't work as well. Yeah. Um, I know a lot of people it did, but to me it didn't resonate as well, partly because it felt very much like they were trying too hard to get me to cry. Yeah, I cannot for the life of me remember Toy Story 2 that well. It's been a long time since I did a full rewatch of these movies. Okay. But I, I will take your word for that. But that does sound like a pretty legit theory because the, what Toy Story 1 came out in 1995. The second mm. one came out a couple of years later, I think, maybe 1999. I feel like it was a- and there was a there was a big jump in animation quality between one and two. Yeah, you're right, ninety nine. Yeah, and then there was a big gap of eleven years to Toy Story three in twenty ten, and then another nine years before this one came out. Yeah, yeah. It's, am- it's amazing to watch the um the um animation change over the years. Andy doesn't look like the same person at all no. in this movie to what he looked like in the original. No, um, I still really enjoy the. I, I watched that a few years ago on a plane, actually, yeah. the first one. It's it's just nice. It's it's a really well put together complete story that's done really well yeah and it's i mean it follows a very very kind of um well trod story formula yeah but But it it does it really well yeah exactly and it does it really well because woody and buzz are really good characters and buzz gets has been given the um short straw twice now in the last two movies so the second one is where woody accidentally gets put in a box and a collector buys him. Oh, that's right, yep. And then that collector also has Jesse and the old man, mm-hmm. the old um, prospector, yep. who's the bad guy of that movie. And so that's the movie where Jesse comes into the story. Yeah, yeah. And Jesse kind of – I mean, this this franchise, as much as it's had some good movies, has a lot of problems. What they basically did was they replaced Bo with Jesse. Mm. They replaced Bo Peep with Jesse. She, Bo Peep wasn't in the third film. Or, or the second? She must I, – I don't remember yeah. her in the second, but she must no. have been in the second because she knew Jesse. Right, right. So, she, yeah. And Jesse is in that scene at the beginning of this one where they try to save the um, RC, the car. Yeah. So, she must have been in the second one, but I barely yeah. remember her. They, they like, b- practically cut her out. So, probably Annie Potts was like, well, why bother yeah, coming back to the like, third one? Yeah, she's, she's like nine people down in the credits, yeah. Yeah. So, and then I suppose they, they managed to get her back for this one mm. um, and then had to build in a backstory 
for why she was gone. Yeah. But it feels so weird that Woody would abandon everything that he's about to go off with his girlfriend. Yeah. It's funny because last night when we were talking about this after the movie, you said she has a wild style entrance and you were actually talking about the love interest for Forky that comes in in the post credits. Mm. But I thought you meant Bo Peep has a wild style entrance because even the way they bring her in where she's like turned into this badass lost toy. Well, they don't bring her in like that though. They don't bring her in like that. Another kid picks. So the kid is playing with Woody and Bo. So when they first see each other again, they're both stiff. Like they're both in. Yeah. Yeah. So she doesn't get an entrance. She then they then do show us that she's become this badass. Yeah, so the, oh right. So then so, we get the um So we don't actually get a wild style entrance for her. Her entrance is like quite naturalistic to the plot. Yeah. And doesn't feel like she's super objectified. Uh, yeah, I just the whole um thing with the skunk the driving yeah. the skunk and all that, I was just a bit like, Oh, okay, this is where we're going with this this person. Yeah, she got a badass upgrade. She got a um a Sarah Connor upgrade. And and there's some really cool stuff that they do with that. But they also like she might as well be a completely different person. Mm. She doesn't seem anything like the person that she was bef- like the character. Well, she also that she might was as well be Wildstyle because now it's her job to be like more competent than Woody and to tell him mm-hmm. what to do and lead him through the adventure. Yeah. And introduce him to the right people. And the thing is like, he's feeling useless. She doesn't make him feel any more useful. No. And, like, I don't understand what he got out of this story that made him want to go off with her and see the world. Mm. Like, there's a moment when he's looking at some cool lights and a view and stuff, and that's about it. Like, you don't get – you don't understand what he gets out of going to see – off to yeah. see the world. I mean, I do think there is an element of, like, he's starting to realize that he's reaching the end of his – useful life with kids like he's he doesn't want to have to go through another kid but at the same time that journey isn't very well articulated no, I don't think so. but also just going back to what you said earlier but the buzz relationship in this is just gone like yeah. it's just not even buzz just has to be like he's almost like just a silly friend yeah and the, the relationship between those two has always been kind of central mm-hmm. to these movies you say that but it, but the third film also really short shrifts buzz I'm sure it's the th- third one where he like speaks Spanish for half That's of it. That's the one, yeah. He, and he, it's the dumbest side plot. It really is. Like, it's not as funny as they think it is. Wait, and also, really doesn't work for kids who can't read subtitles. Yeah, exactly. And it's like, it's sort of, it's funny for like five minutes, but they hammer it home really mm-hmm. hard. And it's just to give Buzz something to do. Mm-hmm. And they kind of try to go for, a, I think, a romantic thing between Buzz and Jesse in that movie as well. Oh, that's right. The heteronormativity of these movies is a whole other thing. But, um, like, it, it just – it's given that Woody is going through this major thing in Toy Story 3, the fact that, like, Buzz is, is this joke side – they started that in Toy Story 3, not in this one. And they haven't picked it up. So Woody is going through this and Buzz is, like, I don't know, oblivious, even though the two of them have been hanging around together for a while now. Mm. And, you know, all toys become obsolete, not just ones from the allegedly made in the late 1950s like Woody is supposed to have been. Yeah. Um, I did find it really funny, though, Buzz's inner voice. Yeah, yeah. That was a cute joke. That was a cute joke. And it works for the character because the character is, is like, quite literal and quite – you know, he, he doesn't have the kind of self-awareness that Woody has, right? No. So it makes sense for the character to take that so literally, but then eventually he goes against his inner voice, mm. which is like, you know, the, but his buttons yeah, telling him to do things. Yeah, he realizes he needs to, yeah. Which is great. That's a 
storyline i mean his arc actually makes sense for him mm. except for the fact that at the end he's like oh go off with your girlfriend when he hasn't seen any of the journey that woody's been on really no no because we haven't so. well no because he's been trying to rescue his friend yeah and the movie opens with the song you've got a friend in me which is proven incorrect by the end of the film yeah which is the, yeah really more true of key and peele's characters in this movie than woody and buzz or woody and bonnie yeah and they could have really played up the relationship between Bonnie and Jesse as well, because mm. Jesse is really taking the place in Bonnie's heart that Woody had in yeah. Andy's. Yes. Because Bonnie relates more to the girl toy. Yeah. And exactly. she likes seeing the girl toy being the sheriff yeah. and stuff. And they could have done something with that, but they don't at all. Mm. Yeah. There's just a badge bit at the end. Yeah. And also, Forky could have easily not been male. Yeah. Like, she makes this toy. Uh, on the first day of school, she's clearly, like, relates more to female toys. Forky could have easily not been male as yeah, well. Was, I was wondering about that, actually. Like, obviously, they wanted to hire Tony Hale. Which but, is like, fine. Which is fine, but, like, there's also... But, I mean, well, I <laughs> Forky was basically genderless, to be honest. Mm. Like, Forky was a fork. Yes, and with... she was just super attached to it. The Again, only a difference... very adult focused thing about kids being super attached to their toys because that's like a parent experience yeah where your your child or your pet gets really attached to this random piece of crap they've found in the house yeah which again not not so much of a kid thing because the kids will just be like oh yeah she has a new toy well yeah but that that's not a i don't think that's a problem for the movie because the kids will be like oh she has a new toy and she really likes it yeah and the adults will be like oh god i know when yeah yeah exactly so but I again it is more from that adult perspective it is but it I, I don't think that one doesn't work for kids as much as some of the others mm. but see because i hate that last scene where they introduce a girl knife mm. that bonnie made at school and she gets the wild style like lola bunny entrance yeah, and she's where she, just brought in to be the love interest of forky which is so freaking bizarre it's so weird and the only difference between them is that she's got hair stuck on like it's the the yeah and her looks are red instead of blue the excessive genderization and heteronormativity of these movies is so ridiculous mm -hmm. because children don't like know or care about that stuff yeah exactly why would she make a girl one on the first day of year one it why mm. You know, like, it doesn't make any sense. It's just a weird – and, you know, to arbitrarily decide that Forky is male because it doesn't have any marking gender features. <laughs> like, that, and that's what they do. They go, oh, default is male. This mm. one doesn't have any, like, obvious gendered features. Therefore, it's male. Yeah. And they do that with almost all of the other toys, too. Like, Slinky Dog and the telephone and the racing car and yeah. everything. The only one that isn't is Trixie, which is the dinosaur. The Christian the Charles Christian, dinosaur, yeah. yeah. Otherwise, they have to be, like, gendered male, and it's so annoying mm. to me. Like, and, and it's so, yeah, I, I find the whole concept of making a female forky really icky and pointless. Yeah, no. I don't it like it. And it didn't add anything to the movie because forky told the story that they wanted to tell. Yeah, well, it, it does add something to forky's story because now he's, like, the toy and he's teaching the new trash sure, to be sure. a toy but like they don't have to do it in that way it doesn't have to be that look this is like the, the way they film it is this completely genderless object mm. is objectified by one of the male characters as being like female and sexy mm. like they do with wild style who is a lego block like they, this is what they do they go you are supposed to think of this genderless thing as being like 
sexy and romantically available. That's yeah. how they film these things mm. with the romantic music and the soft focus and the way they pan in. And it's something that's taught to children really, really young. Yeah. And then used as a trope over and over again. And it's so damaging, I think. Yeah. I hate, hate that trope because it's such a gross, damaging trope. Yeah. Because, yeah, it sets up romantic relationships as like more important and the default for relationships between boys and girls when at that age, that's not an issue for them they sh- we should be teaching them about the friendship stuff woody and buzz or of whatever or um, or woody what, and jesse which is yeah. a great relationship yeah. the friendship stuff is more important is what really that we should be focusing on if we're focusing these things on kids and the other thing is it but, but it also like honestly we should focus that for adults as well because yes. adults need to kind of learn about about that themselves because they've been programmed in a certain way but the other thing is that it it programs them to like see frame male and female characters differently to frame Mm. male as the default and female as the The love interest love interest the objectified sexualized love interest Mm. you're supposed to see girls as immediately being like romantically available or sexually available and it starts that young Mm. it's so pixar's got a really bad history of that as well because we watched about three movies in a row where it was two inanimate objects that were gendered Male and female falling in love with each other, like the little oh, the shorts. shorts. Yeah. Uh, but then I also, uh, when I was looking up this director, because I was like, I've never heard of this guy. Is he a new Pixar guy? He's directed one short for Pixar, which not not didn't go in front of a movie, but it was Pixar's only real female lead, um, the Riley from Inside Out. It's called Riley's First Date. Mm-hmm. So it's set a couple of years after that. And it's about Riley going on a date because, of course, that's what we need to have a short film about. No, she gets asked out on a date at the end of that movie. Right, but still. Yeah, I remember. But yeah, no, I know. But at least that's from going to be from her point of view too, which is something <laughs> that we don't get in this. I mean, Bonnie isn't a point of view character at any point. The point of view characters in this are Woody and Forky. Mm. Like there's no female point of view character in this movie, oh God, no. despite the fact that they keep introducing all of these new female characters. And and the best side characters that they introduce in this movie are male ones. Like yep. Eagles is not that interesting. They don't seem to have enough personality to give her except gossiping about boys. Mm. Which really sucks. The only, I'd say the only really good female character that's introduced in this is um, Gabby. The doll, yeah. Yeah. Christina Hendricks. Which is, a, I really appreciate it because in a, two successive movies now, the bad guy has been another toy that's had a traumatic history and that has turned them into bitter horrible old men mm. toys yeah that's that's both lotso hugging bear and the old prospector mm-hmm. and but in this one they take that idea but they actually give her like you know her deep loneliness mm. has made her very obsessive yeah about things like she's obsessing over harmony being the one like the kid for her and she's obsessing over getting um woody's toy uh, his voice box at any cost and all this stuff Um, instead of just asking and obsessed with the idea that the having her voice box will make will be what changes things for her in terms of being able to connect with a kid yeah exactly and so she um but instead of going and that's made her pure evil and she wants to kill everybody they actually give her the like redemption arc Mm -hmm. and she kind of 
like puts a kid's needs before her own and then she finds the love from a kid that she wanted and woody gives up his voice box to save forky for it yeah for her and there's also like the um when she and her her uh offsiders the gentlemen i don't actually know what they're called the dummies the the ventriloquist dummies dolls they're so so creepy it's amazing Um, while she's kidnapped she and forky develop a relationship so they actually set that up quite well like she's never fully just demonized Mm. because we can always see where she's coming from and why she is the way she is and also she treats forky well and forky and she end up having a relationship that i'm pretty sure is a reference to the tony hale julia louis dreyfus relationship in veep um that's set up there like him and, and honestly the tony hale um jessica what's his name in um arrested development as well he often plays like submissive subservient men to more powerful women in um jessica walter i don't know the mother of um, walton i don't know something like that yeah anyway and and, um he often plays that sort of like slightly submissive slightly camp offsider to these women yeah and he's kind of doing that again in this but it is also kind of a kind of the way they um humanize her yeah he was particularly funny in his like initial I have to get back to the trash face. That was so <laughs> where, funny. Where it's like this suicidal toy who just keeps jumping off the bed into the trash. Yeah, that's funny. It's very funny. It's very yeah. the, the and song also, that like, plays under it is terrible. Oh don't it's like don't throw me out or something. It's, it's really oh, no, it's literal. Like, I think it's actually from more from Woody's point of view, and it's like you're not trash; you don't deserve to be thrown out, sort of thing. Yeah. But it's so dumb and so literal that it was really distracting. Mm. And I was like, "What are they it, doing?" It's called with this? "I can't let you throw yourself away." There you that go. is how literal it is. Yeah, it's so literal, yeah, and it's so dumb. But the 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 montage is very funny. Yes. And then it's also really funny when Woody goes out after Forky and he's like stuck in the grass and then Woody like drags him along and he tries to walk for a bit and then flops down and gets dragged again. Yeah. It was yeah. really funny. Mm-hmm. All the um the other thing that I was just obsessed with in this movie is like the detail on his little pipe cleaner hands. Oh yeah. Like they do show his little pipe cleaner hands doing things and it was so funny like such a weird funny thing Mm. because they would have different kind of movements to them at different points yeah yeah depending Um, on what they they needed to grab or yeah and you could like make one side longer than the other and stuff and it was really funny and really weird yeah but there there was a consistent physics to it yeah yeah the only thing about him that was weird to me is that what five-year-old has handwriting that good to write she writes bonnie really clearly on the bottom of his feet and she's at kindergarten orientation so she's five so she wouldn't have been able to write that like that that was like at first i'm like what five-year-old can write that clearly yeah I mean, yeah, kids develop skills at different times, and it's clearly she knows how to write her name. Yeah, it um, just looked a little too neat. It's, yeah, but it, that was it, the that's only a, bit. Like a film convention. It was a I plot think, convenience, it. but yeah. it was still like that was, yeah. I was just concerned that what she'd stuck the feet on with was gum. Mm. I was like, firstly, I mean, I don't think it was. I think it was like blue tack or yeah, play or, or something. Yeah, because plasticine. A, it's a kindergarten class. There's not going to be a whole lot of gum chewers in there unless the teacher was. Probably and, not. And B, it didn't really look like gum. Yeah. And, and but I every think, so often I was like, is that gum? Stuff and you do have like Play-Doh and plasticine and stuff as you know, like yeah. play toys in a kindy classroom. But yeah, I thought the f- design of Forky was great and very fun to play with. Mm. This bit where he's like 
looking really, really sincerely at Gabby, and then one of his like googly eyes, like the little pupil drops. <laughs> flops down which is really funny as well yeah. like they they take a lot of the humor from the situation that the mm-hmm. character is in and the the design of it and stuff which i really liked yeah um i've just remembered my favorite joke which is the unicorn toy who's always trying to send dad to jail <laughs> like that's how they're gonna get the rv funny. to go where they want it to get going oh gosh that i think the um my favorite was yeah the um no high five um carl but <laughs> also um Key and Peel's attempts to like attack people. Their storytelling, yeah, their when they're like, they're... <laughs> and it goes really full horror one. movie in one at one point. <laughs> it's amazing. It was really, it's especially funny because they're like the least threatening looking toys in the movie because yep. they're plushy. But it's also like exactly the kind of thing that happens to two toys who've been cable tied to the wall of a um of a carny stand for so many years and never yeah. able to escape. So they're sitting there like coming up with ever more elaborate yeah. like stories about what they're going to do to people. It's very funny. They were all the way through. I just loved them. There's a bit where like the, where Ducky thinks that Bunny has died. Oh yeah. He sees the fluff and he's yeah. like, no. But they're attached. They've actually been sewn together. So, <laughs> so Duck, um, Bunny is like actually just under a bin or something. And he's fine. He didn't even try to look. But like, the, yeah, well, that whole hand. bit of like the fluff on the inside is like because there's they first see a toy in the antique store that's been attacked yeah. by the cat, and they're like, is that what we look like on the inside? There's there's also um, much like the um, Ryan Reynolds in in Detective Pikachu. I think there's quite a bit of ad libbing that went on with Key and Peel in yeah, the, definitely, and, and it sounds very much like they recorded together. <laughs> Probably. It's nice to hear them together again. It made me happy. Yeah. <laughs> they yeah. just play off each other so well. Yeah, and they've been off doing other things for so long. Yeah. They have. Keanu's Canadian jokes also got me. Oh, yes. They were great. Yes. Yes. I, Canada. No, they were great. And oh, and then the whole bit about the kid who, <laughs> Rijon, who'd been his kid and who he didn't behave like the toy on the ad and so he was discarded like on, on Boxing Day. Oh they dear! Curled up on a ball, crying. And of course, the Boxing Day joke is a joke for Americans who don't have Boxing Day. Yeah, poor sad people. That was funny. Yeah, I've got a note that says "huge ducking eyes." I don't think I meant ducking, but you probably meant either ducky or bunny. No, I meant fucking huge fucking eyes. I was talking about like no, the but big... whose eyes though? Did they oh, had no, big was, eyes with um, glittery Bonnie, bits? It was the kids in, in the oh, kindergarten, right, yeah. and I'm like, why are their eyes so big? Right. There's only like two human beings in the world who have eyes that big and they are elijah wood what's her name from the thesaurus movies shailene woodley ah and they're the only people in the world who have eyes that big i just had to look up shailene woodley because i was like i don't remember having big eyes not the way i remember elijah wood doing it anyway it's all right there's some shots in the thesaurus movies that are like oh the allegiant whatever yeah, they're yeah, called yeah. those divergent ones. movies that's what they are yeah and she just has like massive yeah, yeah, eyes in yeah. those. And then I looked her up and then I was like, I've seen pictures from, you know, Brig Little Eyes, which is the last thing I saw yeah. her in. And then I was like, oh yeah, there's a shot from the, uh, yeah. Yeah. Oh, there's a there's a bit where like Woody gets stepped on and yeah. then he like blows holds his, his nose and blows his cheek out. And I'm like, they have breath. Uh-huh. They can breathe. This is again, one of the details that you get hung up on that I would have, <laughs> I was just like, of course, this is a funny joke. I but I did wonder how um, – yeah, well, I mean, it is a, it is something you wonder about because, like, of course, toys get stepped on all the time. Yes. Well, then, like, but if they have breath, what else do they have? Mm. They have lungs. Do they have functioning, like – Metabolisms? Metabolisms. Yeah. No, I understand. Like, we've seen the inside of them that's just fluff. 
Mm. So how does it work? Oh, also, uh, every time that the people watch them, Forky plays dead. Mm. And I'm like, oh, Forky has the self-preservation to play dead and knows that he's supposed to play dead as a toy. Well, he yeah, he clearly has gained whatever sentience that toys get when they become toys. Yes, but it doesn't seem like that is an instinct for them so much no. as something they have to do. Yeah, and he's like already thinks he's supposed to be trash. Yeah. So I think that's interesting hmm. that he he also will play dead when the humans are looking. I'm wondering what that means. Mm. Oh, yeah, when he's like, carry me? No. And then at the end, Woody's carrying him. That's cute. Yeah, that was cute. That whole, that whole sequence where they're walking back to the mm. RV park. Yeah, I, I noted the terrifying ventriloquist dummy mobsters. Another thing. It was so great, Once again, though. all the detail in the animation, like the way that they moved and the way that their heads kind of wobbled and moved in really unna- unnatural ways, the way that they kind of heightened all of that stuff to make them creepy was really cool. They were so cool. Uh, yeah. Cause they, and they were just the right level of like kid scary as well. Like yeah. they weren't super scary, but they were able to be used in a scary way. And like when um when Gabby was in the cupboard in the display case, they would the four of them would sit on top and like yeah. their heads would rotate. So cool. Yeah, it was. And it was like the, even when they walked their feet like kind of flopped mm-hmm. really nice little details in all the animation that I loved yeah, and yeah. like the you know the design of them all to look like sort of 40s you know mobster mole and mm-hmm. all of her little like underlings was really yeah, cool yeah they pushed around in the pram and stuff yeah um there was one thing that I did appreciate about this movie in terms of gender and stuff which is that when other kids were playing with the toys, they weren't necessarily as gendered. Mm. Um, Harmony, the little girl from the antique shop, liked playing with Woody. And um, there was a boy who was playing with that spinny fairy doll in the oh, sand yeah. pit yep. and stuff. Like a lot of the stuff is in background. Yeah. But in the background, they put in stuff of like kids of various genders playing with the dolls and things like that. Yeah. I also <laughs> – there's a point when I was looking through reading the credits when I suddenly thought of all of these like old and middle-aged men in the recording booth talking about getting played with, with by kids. <laughs> yeah. I know it's fine in the movie. It has nothing to do with the movie. It just amused me as a thought for a moment. Yeah, like, yeah. Out of context, it sounds terrible. But also, um, even the way the lines do sound in the way they're meant to sound, they talk about my kids and stuff. Mm. And it sounds funny because they are like the cast now is quite old. Like, mm. there's a significant number of cast members in the main cast of this who were born in the 20s. Like, there are old cast members in this movie now. Like, Mrs. Potato <laughs> is the oldest one I can find. But, yeah, and so it it is it does sound a bit weird because they – like, voices age, mm. like, as much as anything does. And so Woody – and Woody and Tom Hanks are, like, a perfect mm-hmm. mix of voice actor and character, but – Tom Hanks has aged since he did the first one. And Tom Hanks has always been like America's dad, but he's now kind of like America's dad for people of our age mm-hmm. as opposed to like so he's, you know, in his 60s now. So yeah, it does it does seem a bit, you know, they do age with the characters. There's mm. only really so many of these they can do. I hope. There is a um Key and Peel joke that I think might have been ad-libbed that was very funny, which is when they go to infinity in my foot. <laughs> when he's when Ducky's trying to kick him. Yeah, pretty funny. 
I found a mathematical problem in this as well. Oh, did um, you? Because the flashback was nine years ago, right? When oh. Bo Peep mm-hmm. went, like, the, the, the fill-in backstory they made up to the, yeah, show that where Bo had like, gone. That, yeah, that Andy had taken her to donate. No, uh, Molly, the little sister, had, had donated Yeah, Molly her. donated her, but Andy had driven her. That was Andy in the Subaru, wasn't it? Driving no, that her. was the person who bought her, I thought. Oh, I thought it was Andy, like, taking them off to whichever collector. And it doesn't matter who did the driving, but it was nine years ago. It was in 2010, which is the third movie. It can't have been him driving because he only just turned 18 and went to college while Bonnie was still more or less the same age she is now. Yeah. So nine years ago, he would have been 11. I was very – no, nine years ago in the last movie, he was going to college. No, no, that's not nine years ago because he gives Bonnie the toys when he goes off to college. But I thought the nine years ago bit was meant to be – um, the nine years ago bit is meant to be in the thing that happened in the sidelines of the last movie. No, it's way before that. And he's still a kid. He he leaves his toys outside. Oh, he leaves all the I toys outside. I remember that's, seeing Andy. He was in it. He drops the but toys. But I thought on he the... was the kid driving the Subaru. No, he's not. So that must be his dad or something. No, it's the guy who buys the toy. He got, it's the guy who buys Bo. Right. He that comes is to... really, really confusing because the last movie came out nine years ago and had an 18-year-old Andy. Yes, but Bonnie was the same age. Yeah, which is why I was really confused when we came back to Bonnie. So I was like, why are we why are we still nine years ago? I just assumed we were still nine years ago. Oh. Especially as like there were things like a standalone GPS in the RV and things like that, and there's still like very little acknowledgement of, you know, the modern world. But anyway, I – what was your version of the problem that you saw? Because um, nine years ago, Bo Peep left. Right, yes. She was, she's yeah, been yes. a lost toy for seven years. Mm, yeah, so that, yes, which was to explain her absence. Yes. But I but thought yes, she, she said the, the little girl that she went to grew up. Yeah. Which meant that the little girl that she went to grew up in two years while she owned Bo. Less than two years. Less than two years. Because she was apparently two years in the um she was apparently two years in the antique store and then also she's been seven years as a wild toy. Well I thought the two years in the antique store were also years that she was counting as a lost toy. Okay, maybe, but, but still even if they aren't then it doesn't make it makes even, even less yeah, sense. Yeah, because that's what I thought. Because she was like, oh the little girl grew up and I'm like, in what when? Yeah. <laughs> like, okay. You've been lost for seven years. That means you only were owned by a yeah. new kid the for dates, two. The dates in any case do not add up. Not at all. No matter which way you interpret it. <laughs> There's a whole storyline where the key is the only way to get into the cabinet, which ends really, really hilariously with that... the woman just putting the key down in front of them. In a, in a dish. That was the perfect dish. joke. It and was it so allows good. Key and Peel and Buzz to be like, yeah, it was really hard for us to get. Yeah. But um, if the key is the only way in, how does Gabby get in and out? Good question. I, I don't know. Maybe she unlocks it from the inside. I don't know. Um. There's another – I wrote another Key and Peel joke down where they were, like, talking about going – where Woody's like, we got to go back in and try and get Forky, and they go, stuff that. Um, yeah. Anyway. Yeah, they actually – Key and Peel and um, Buzz were a good little team for the like minute that they were together. They were they fun. Were. They were funny. Their interactions were very funny. So at the m- end of the movie, um, for out of nowhere, really, they they set up this thing where like Woody is torn between Buzz and Bo, mm. and it really looks like he's choosing between like you know his current boyfriend and his old girlfriend. Mm. But then Buzz just lets him go. They do yep. hug, which was nice, I guess. Yep. But they, they loves a hug. I do. You know I do. But, um, it, I mean, they really only paid lip service to the relationship in this movie. Like, the, Woody yeah. and Buzz barely inter- – like, Buzz keeps trying to 
get Woody to pay attention to him before that, and he doesn't, which Sad. just can, like, kind of makes you not like Woody. And also, yeah. again, this yeah, Woody's the, very self-absorbed in this movie. So self-absorbed. And it, again, makes the opening song pointless and mm. irrelevant. It makes that, yeah. Yeah. Another weird thing as well. It also I, goes back on Woody's character development is because Woody's character development is that as the sheriff, you can't be the lone star, the lone wolf. Yeah. You need other people. And part of that is learning to be friends with people like Buzz who have a completely different view of the world. Yes. But um, the other weird thing is there's a um, Bonnie has a doll that's kind of the room leader at the beginning of the movie. That's yeah, yeah. Bonnie Hunt's voice. Yes. And, um, and then when Woody goes missing, everybody looks to Buzz to figure out what to do. And I'm like, why isn't the doll figuring it out? She's the one in charge. Well, especially because we have a scene early on where she actually has to tell Woody to back off. She's the, yeah. like, she's the room leader. And, and Woody ignores her anyway. So I'm wondering, because what something we know about the behind the scenes of this film is that Rashida Jones and her writing partner were – whose name I've unfortunately forgotten right this minute, Will McCormack, uh, were kind of originally brought on to do this movie and they left Pixar because of some kind of creative differences and the sort of the hints that people could pick up are that Pixar was not really open to their suggestions for diversifying and changing the way some things were happening. And it would not surprise me if in earlier versions of the script, like the doll who's the room leader and all that kind of stuff was a bit clearer and a bit more like part of what Woody was having to learn was like learning his place and things like that. It would not surprise me if that's something that's changed with the all of the um, edits and reviews that were coming back from the studio. Yeah, and also potentially um, more development of Bonnie and Jesse. Bonnie preferring Jesse and stuff like that. Yeah, and even the way the relationship between Woody and Bo plays out. Yeah, that's – yeah. I find that weird as well. Like, mm-hmm. I just don't – it never clicked for me in this movie. It just didn't ever feel, I don't know, real somehow. Mm. Like, it, it doesn't make a lot of sense. And also, they don't they don't make it really super clear – the positions that they're coming from mm. like woody is coming from you know um loyalty to a like uh, it um gabby says it mm. that being loyal to a kid and looking after a kid is the no- most noble thing that a toy can do yep right that's the point of view that he's coming from yeah but like bo's point of view seems to be well there's a lot of kids out there and but but like then she's helping other toys get to be with kids but doesn't want that for herself and like where she's coming from is very unclear. Yeah. Like her point of view is missing. Absolutely. Um, And so you don't understand why she gets so angry with Woody and you don't understand why she's so like mean to him apart from just to be mean. Hmm. Like, yeah, he doesn't listen to her, but then she ends up liking that about him. Apparently he doesn't listen to anybody. So no, no, he's kind of a jerk in this movie. He's kind of a jerk in this movie. I mean, you know, he's Tom Hanks, so he can never be like too Full much jerk. of a jerk because how can you not like Tom but, Hanks? Yeah, but yeah, if he was played by anyone other than Tom Hanks, you'd be like, this guy's the villain. Well, yeah, imagine if he was played by Tim Allen. Yeah. Which having said, I mean, I know like Tim Allen is a very problematic person, but like 
I love his Buzz role so as much. Buzz is not. <laughs> yeah, yeah. And I love Buzz so much. Like to me, Buzz is the is the most fun, interesting character in these movies. And they never make movies about him. Yeah, they keep making movies about only Woody. He's the Ron Weasley of the series. <laughs> he is. Um, yeah, but uh, the first movie is about them. Like, yeah, I know both of them, and you know, becoming friends and and learning Buzz- how to live together and work with each other's different leadership styles and yeah. recognizing that toys are different. Yeah. And Buzz has to, you know, learn that he is a toy and that he's not real and all yeah. that sort of stuff, which is a big, you know, thing for him. And then the second one, um, he has a whole storyline with his father as well. Mm. Like it's the Star Wars storyline that yeah, his, yeah. his like, arch nemesis turned out to be his dad and they were playing catch and stuff at the end, which is hilarious. But actually, like, affecting, mm. whereas they they kind of – really drop the ball with Buzz in the later movies and it sucks because he's such a funny good character. Mm. And like the the catchphrase of all of these movies is the Buzz catchphrase, not the Woody one. No. Like they they really they really fucked up with with how they treated Buzz, I think. Yeah. And Jessie gets short shrift in this and she's the oh other my best God. character. Yeah, she gets nothing. Yeah, no. And this all comes back to my like this just doesn't add to me anything new into the Toy Story universe that I'm interested in. Yeah, it only really adds to Woody's storyline. And do we care about Woody's storyline that much? Like, wasn't it done? But even then, it doesn't really add to Woody's storyline. It actually retreads over ground that Woody has dealt with before. Everything that Woody deals with is something that he's dealt with in another part of the series. And it also seems like in some places he's regressed. Yeah. It makes him into somebody who abandons all his friends to run around the world with his girl. It's Daredevil season two. Yeah. It's his ex-girlfriend comes into town and, like, turns him into a rebel and takes him away from all of his friends. Mm-hmm. And I hate Daredevil season two. Yeah. It's annoying. And it makes you not like the girlfriend, which is not her fault. No. She's fine. It's just that, you know, it doesn't make any sense for Woody as a character to do this. Anyway. We should probably rate it. Yeah, I'm going to go with two and a half. See, I want to rate it as two different movies. <laughs> Because there's a movie in here that I love. It's just not like this story. There's all this stuff in this movie that I like way too much to be able to give it two and a half stars because the humor and the the design and all that stuff is so good to me. Like it's mm. so good. There's all these people putting all this work into this movie, but it's not in the people who are actually writing the main story. It's in everybody else. Yeah. Who's putting a lot of work and love into this. My rating is I just think that they are cynical in this. This movie is, feels like a cynical cash grab and that's how it's come out as far as I'm concerned. But anyway, you rate it whatever you want to rate I it. I can understand that, but I also think that – I don't think that the old dudes who who want this movie to come out are being cynical. I think this is genuinely a movie that they connect with. I just don't think it's one that connects with children. Mm. Like, I think this is a movie that they brought out for themselves, not for the audience. Yeah. And there's all these other people trying to write things for the audience that's really good. Yeah. You know, but like... And animators putting in cute little Easter eggs. Yeah, and animators doing beautiful work that I can't... Like, to me, I just can't give it two and a half because there's so many other things that are so good about it. But the story's too weak to give it any higher than the three. Yep. Sorry, Toy Story 4, but you're not that good. Anyway, uh, thank you very much for listening to the Silver Screen Queens podcast. If you would like show notes or old episodes, they're on our website, silverscreenqueens.com. And if you want to find us on social media, we're at screen underscore queens on Twitter and facebook.com forward slash silverscreenqueens. Thank you for listening. Bye. Bye.